Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello friends, my name is Joe Armstrong and you are listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, Jamie Wyatt. Jamie Wyatt is what you might imagine Otis Redding would sound like if he had been a young, attractive, and talented female singer-songwriter. Her soulful voice leans on the same blue notes and husky timbre that gave Redding his distinctive and instantly recognizable style. Wyatt's timeless white woman blues also draws heavily from harder rocking influences. She could just as easily slide into the arena rock shoes of original ACDC frontman Bon Scott and fill them amply. But there is a bit of red dirt twang mixed into her songs as well, and this rust-colored rural influence lands Wyatt squarely in the Lucinda Williams and Emmylou Harris camp, and she can handle that yoke too. It is hard to write a fresh blues rock song this late in the game, but give a spin to her music, and it will soon be evident that Wyatt knows her way around a song as well as around a bluesy melody. And if that's not enough, Wyatt is also a solid guitar player. Not a know-enough chords to get through a song or two guitar player, but a genuine, bona fide instrumentalist who will prop up a cowboy boot on a stage monitor and rip off a screaming solo right alongside the boys in the band. Her new album, This Is Jamie Wyatt, is due out in the fall of 2014, and you'll be able to find her on stages across the country, promoting it with raucous live shows that will leave no doubt that rock and roll is very much alive as long as Jamie Wyatt has a guitar in her hands. Welcome to Independence Day, Jamie Wyatt. Hey, how's it going? Very well. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to hearing some of your music and learning all about you. I don't know much about you. I learned about you because we played a show earlier in the summer, uh, the Grand Ole Echo, which is a summer concert series down at the Echo. Uh, usually kind of twangy country type music. I played on the back porch. You were playing one of the shows inside. And uh, my friends were very, I, I was also impressed. My friends were very impressed with you, man. Woman. Cool. Good stuff. Thanks. Uh, stylistically speaking, you know, what would you call what you do? I mean, uh, I don't want to put you in a box, pigeonhole you, but you know, it's kind of muscular chick rock sort of twangy. <laughs> I don't know. What would you call it? But I've never gotten muscular before, but thank you. I have been, you know, working out my yeah. biceps and, uh, forearms. Of course. You know, um, I call it rock and roll and, yeah. uh, but, uh, you know, alternative country has come up a lot over the years. Um, singing kind of, you know, growing up singing classic country and and actually alternative country, learn, you know, learning from people like Steve Earle and Lucinda Williams. So Yeah, that's something, you know, for your generation, uh, there, you know, th- th- there was alternative country. Like at one point it didn't yeah. really exist. It wasn't a thing. Right. You know, you could, some people, you could trace it far back. People trace the lineage of where it starts. Like did it start with Uncle Tupelo? And sure. no impression. Did it start with the Jayhawks, which is around the same time? Did it start with people like Steve Earle, who'd been doing something, came in from the countryside? Yeah. You know, full on country. Like when he got his contracts, his first record contracts were full on record country contracts. Right. Country radio. And then, but he was kind of a crossover guy. Does it go farther back than that? Does it go farther? Did John Hyatt almost? Yeah, that's Does it go farther back than that? Does it go to Graham Parsons as a big guy? Right. And that, and, you know, the Stones played country music. Pink Floyd used pedal steel and things sure. that they were doing. Even the Beatles flirted with it a little bit. You know, how far back do you go? The Louvins? I don't know. <laughs> sure. You know, so so for you, there always kind of was con- like alternative country in your lifetime. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I grew up on, uh, you said John Hyatt, and I had an outburst because I just, 
grew up on his music, yeah. definitely. And so to me, he did kind of embody a country with an edge, country that was, yeah. uh, you know, country with like Dylan-esque lyrics, you know? Yeah, yeah, country that wasn't about just car or trucks and, right, and yeah. beer and dogs and whiskey right. and your woman leaving you or your man leaving you or whatever. It had a it had a whole extra level of like songwriting craft. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what alt country does is it kind of takes that. I mean, there's certainly songs about, you know, crying in your beer in the alt country sure. realm, but it goes a little farther, I think. You know, Hyatt is an exemplary person in terms of that. I love the John Hyatt. Um, so, but you're not from Los Angeles, you know, so when you made your choice to leave your hometown, why didn't you go to a place like Nashville? You know, I just didn't know how I was, I was real young when I, when I left and got into this whole music thing. Um, I was 17 when I signed my first, uh, record deal. So I went where, you know, my mom would let me and where I knew how to go. (laughs) Yeah. I said, you know. So I went to, uh, I actually went to San Francisco first for like a year okay. because my sister was there. And then uh, I was driving to LA every weekend and uh, kind of made some friends who took me under their wing and uh, with the label, you know, friends of the label and, and uh, some mentors. So then I was able to move to LA kind of more around 18 and 19. Softer landing. Yeah, it was a little easier yeah. that way. So what's it like? I mean, a lot of people, I'm sure, want to know, what's it like to be signed to a label at age 17? Like, you're not even legally able, <sighs> you're not even legally an adult. You can't even get drafted. Not that you would be drafted specifically. Sure, but... But, you know, you can't buy beer. You can't sign your name to stuff. You're a minor, technically. Yeah. Yeah, my mom signed, co-signed the deal. Were your parents cool with that? Yeah, they're really cool. I mean, they're singer songwriters in their own and they that music was encouraged and okay. uh you know so that was just part of life and i think they were hoping for it did they ever sit you down and say something like okay jamie you, know, <laughs> you want a life in music it looks like it's gonna happen like did they did they ever like warn you or <laughs> say like because i had some relatives you know who yeah, tried yeah, to kind of sure. scare me away from it as a oh yeah guy. You know, it's funny is I think everyone but my parents tried to scare me away from it. They'd say, well, you know what? It's like my parents were, they're dreamers, and I love them for that. But they weren't like the type that would sit me down and say, well, what are you thinking about, you know, your schedule and your life? And that just wasn't, you know, what did they you have did. you older siblings? Yeah. My older like, siblings might have said that. Yeah. My oldest sister was actually more like, like she still is. So um, she's a she's type A personality. Both my parents, I could say, were type B. So, okay. you know, so as a result, my oldest sister was, you know, extremely organized, extremely um, professional and a planner. And uh, so she she would say things, you know, was very helpful, actually. But she also loved the music. Yeah. And that was... Are they involved in the arts, your older siblings? Yeah. My oldest sister is a, a wardrobe stylist. Okay. And, um, and works in photography. Her husband's a photographer. And uh, my middle sister has always been a makeup artist. And she's, I think she's kind of exploring other things right now. So everybody's into the arts. My mom was seamstress and singer. My dad, singer-songwriter. Yeah. It does make it a big difference for you know uh, people who have that in their family... 
you know, again, that's kind of like the softer landing thing again. Or like maybe they're not as intimidated by the fact because they themselves have made a living in the art. So they're not as afraid when you decide, oh, I'm going to go be, you know, I'm going to be a singer-songwriter. Like they know that it can be done. You know, like in my family, there weren't any, there wasn't anybody making a living in the arts. My mom certainly sang. My dad loved music. My parents loved music. And it was around a lot. And I was never discouraged by my nuclear family, but I had some extended family who were like, you know, Joey is what they called me when I was little, you know. I don't know if I don't know if that's a good path. You know, at the time it was like, up yours, you know, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. It's my life. Right. Anyway, I'm talking with Jamie Wyatt. She's a Los Angeles based singer, songwriter. You can learn everything you need to know about her at jamiewyatt.com, also Facebook.com slash Jamie Wyatt Music. And follow her on Twitter, Jamie Wyatt Music. That's an ad in front of that. It's pretty obvious you guys know what to do with that. You've got this brand new record. Um, it's called This Is Jamie Wyatt, right? Full length record. Correct. And uh, when does this record drop, or has it dropped already? Where are we in terms we're of looking time? At, time? We're looking at a fall departure. Okay. A fall departure yeah. time. Okay, but we've got a preview track here. This is the first track. Yeah. Is it going to be the first track from the record? Yes. Okay, this is the first track from the record. First track you'll hear, a little preview of Jamie Wyatt's new record. It's called I Want to Be Your Girl. Jamie Wyatt on Independence Day. Be a girl. 
My name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day. Thanks for listening. As always, tonight's guest, Jamie Wyatt. She is a singer-songwriter based in Los Angeles. She has a kind of Janis Joplin-esque, kind of somewhat husky singing style that does not fit her, her stature as a person. Kind of tall and somewhat thin. Uh, but man, great, great music. You should really check this girl out. Check out her new record, which is going to drop sometime this fall. The record will be called This Is Jamie Wyatt. But this is not, this is far from your first record. You've got other records. You were in other bands. Yeah. I mean, you've been at this a while. And you, you mentioned before you were signed at age 17 to a record contract. Were you signed as a, you're, as a solo artist? Were you signed as part of a band? Like, I want to know more about that. Like, what does oh, it feel yeah. like? You're in high Thanks. school at that point. Yeah, I mean, I but I graduated early so that I could uh, get out of town, you know. I grew up in a real small town in Washington State, uh, a little place called, called Gig Harbor. And I grew up on this island called Fox Island, so a really small town. And I was just kind of ready. You know, I think everybody wants to leave the town they grew up in. Not yeah. everybody, but particularly artists, maybe. Um, and, uh, so I just wanted to get out of town. And, uh, when I got that deal, it was kind of perfect. So I was al already taking college courses while in high school. So that allowed me to get out of high school early and, uh, and get down to California. And that yeah. was a, they signed me as a solo artist. And, um, and then, you know, after that, I ended up working with bands, uh, when I was done with that deal. But, uh. Yeah. So what? But what did that look like, though? Like they they sign you? Do they give you an an advance? Like here's some yeah. money to live on. We're gonna make a record. Like what were the a what little were the, bit? What were their plans? Yeah, you know they gave me an advance and they and they paid for my record. I made a really you know I had a really cool experience. Made a record with Pete Droge out of uh, Seattle, and um, it was a, a little advance, but it's an independent deal with the Los Angeles label. It was an indie label, but they were associated with Paramount Pictures. So they were, you know, Lakeshore Records. They had some money behind them. Yeah, and, and they were underneath Lakeshore uh, Films. Okay. So they also had the ability to put a lot of the music in films and on the soundtracks. So, um, you know, so the advance, it wasn't like, I wasn't like filthy rich or nothing. Right. But you're making a living at music at age like 17 or 18. Yeah, I mean, I still, I still had to pick up jobs every now and yeah. again. That's pretty normal, though. But that's that's kind of been my history. Is like, I make money at music and I pick up jobs in between so I can do, you know, yeah, so you enhance can keep the project. making music. Yeah, exactly. And then where are you now? Are you now are you at a phase where you are full time music? Are you making a living doing other things? Is it kind of a combination of the two still? It's still a combination of the two. I don't have a nine to five, and and maybe I should, but that's something. As I'm just able to pick up odd jobs when I need to. Um, I guess I don't commit to a nine to five because I like to tour. Right. And, uh, you know, I did some touring over the summer. It's um, so right now, you know, I, yeah, I'm completely independent, no record label at the moment. And um, I just uh, I work odd, odd jobs and save up and make make records and, um, you know, do some been grateful. Been, um, I am grateful. I've had some TV and film placements, so that helps, you know. Yeah. What but, percentage uh, of your, your like, music income, I'm not looking for dollar amounts here, but, like, what percentage of your income comes from, like, TV placements? Do you get a check, like, four times a year? Do you get a right. check? Is that how it works? Basically mailbox money? Yeah, it is mailbox money. Yeah, it's not so much... Uh, it fluctuates, you know. It depends on, you know, how often the, the songs were running on... Uh, cable or right um 
or DVD sales and things like that. But um, the percentage of my income, uh, it's you know, it's still like it's still like forty to fifty percent. Okay, so is that know, is that enough it, for rent then? That kind of money for you? <laughs> no, no, it 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 actually just funds the music really. Okay, you know, so I I've got like another another job I do and uh, that I'm able to do on my own time. Right. And then uh, I'm married and uh, my husband helps a bit. Right. And uh, we kind of, you know, I grew up, my, my dad kind of taught me that you got, if you want to be an artist, you've got to know how to do a lot of things right. to support that art and, uh, you know, kind of kind of be a horse trader. And, yeah. You know. You have to be very resourceful. You, <laughs> yes. you have to right. be able to eke out money just however and <laughs> yeah. whenever it comes. Yeah. You know, that's the way my career has been too. You know, I, there have been times where I made music or made a living fully in the music business. Yeah, sure. And there's times, honestly, there were times where I didn't want to make a living in yeah. the music business where it's like, man, I've just had it with this. Right. You know, this kind of, you know, it's, I love the music as much as it ever did, but the, as much as I ever did. But then the commerce, once you like take commerce and you set it on top of your music, trying to make a living at it, selling your music, mm-hmm. whether that's live or synchronizing it in, in TV, film or what have you, or playing live shows or selling T-shirts or whatever. Right. And you feel like a carnival barker sometimes, <laughs> like always bugging everybody. Hey, I got T-shirts. Hey, I got CDs. Hey, sure. come see my show, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you, so do you manage, you know, social media is so important now. Do you manage your own social media stuff too? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I tweet, I use kind of Twitter because I just think it's, I love how random Twitter is. Yeah. I like it as like a little journal entry, like randomly, you know, I'm at a movie the other night watching that movie, Tammy, and I thought it was ridiculously funny. So I'm like, and I had good music, so I, I said that, you know, or some random thought where I'm like chopping parsley and, you know, I'm like, no sticks, no stems. Wow, this is like a Snoop Dogg song, only yeah. I'm chopping parsley and not marijuana. Right. You know, so I like, I use Twitter kind of random, like like a little journal entry, but Facebook, I'll, I'll put like, you know, on the fan page, I put like three to four postings a week but i use youtube quite a bit actually okay. i like to make like um short little videos of you what you i'm shoot up them to on your phone yeah okay yeah or on uh and then you know for live video i i have a a nicer camera not like a super nice one but um a pretty decent camera that we're able to get good video out of and i use that to to get live video from of the shows so do you edit them yourself as well actually my husband helps me with that okay <laughs> Cause yeah. I, um, yeah, I'm okay at editing, but he kind of enjoys it more than I do. Yeah. Um, I, I like more directing it. <laughs> you like being the boss. Is you like telling him, yeah. basically you like bossing your husband around exactly. is what it comes down to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's pretty, pretty common. I think. <laughs> sure. Anyway, how about you play a song for us? You've got your guitar sure. here. We're going to make a, you yeah. know, there's a video available actually of you playing a song on our show. If you drop by indepthday.com, you can see uh, a live video of her, of Jamie Wyatt playing a live song, which also be on the YouTube channel, which we're kind of working on getting built out. It does exist, but it's not entirely mature yet. Kind of like me. <laughs> 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 anyway, what's this first song going to be, Jamie? Uh, this first one, I'm going to start it off a, uh, Little mellow. This is one from the record, though. It's called From Outer Space. All right. Jamie Wyatt and Independence Day with a track from Outer Space. Two, three, four. Mission control. Mission control. I ain't looking through your telescope. 
You are listening to Independence Day with Joe Armstrong. Tonight's guest, Jamie Wyatt. Visit her website at jamiewyatt.com. And now might be a good time to tell people that your name isn't spelled like the traditional Jamie, actually, if they're going to look oh, it right? up. Yeah. J-A-I-M-E, right? Like uh, like Jaime. Like Jaime. Yeah. Like Jaime Wyatt. Or Jimmy. Yeah, indeed. And okay. it's a Wyatt, W-Y-A-T-T. Every time I think of Wyatt, I think of the character from Weird Science. I don't oh. know, one of those characters. Not is Wyatt, Wyatt Earp. Not Wyatt Earp. I think <laughs> Although I am, I, reportedly, I'm, I'm related to Jesse James. No in way. In some way in my family. I don't know if that's All a right. good thing or a bad thing. It is okay. what it is. But uh, drop by Jamie Wyatt, J-A-I-M-E-W-Y-A-T-T music. Uh, I'm sorry, it's jamiewyatt.com, but then on Facebook, it's Jamie Wyatt Music and at Jamie Wyatt Music. Do you have a lot of Twitter followers? We were talking about Twitter before. Like, not, not a whole, like, I don't know, like a few hundred, yeah. maybe. And I do Instagram a lot, too. Okay. But Instagram, I have, uh, I think, like seven or eight hundred. And Yeah. But... We've all become multimedia artists. Yeah. You know, and whether you like it or not, you kind of have to now. You right. You know, you kind of, you know, we're all narcissistic voyeurs. Mm-hmm. You know, we like seeing what other people are up to and watching sure. videos. Although I will say, this is this is an airing of grievance section on tonight's show. Is the uh, I'm I'm a news guy. I'm always into the news and seeing what's going on in the world. And I work in the news business. So, if I wanted to watch a video, I would watch news on my television. Like when I go to a news website, I just want to read the article. I don't want a video to pop up. It drives me um, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I wish there was like a blanket button. For the, all of the internet, that I could just press it and it stopped playing videos automatically when I went to go to look at like news websites. Oh, yeah. Please. Anyway. It's a lot. It's a lot, it, a lot going on when you go to any website that's yeah. commercial in any way. It's just going to be... We're kind of overwhelmed, <laughs> yeah. I think, by media of all right. kinds in all places. So how do you, like when you're writing, let's talk about that right. a little bit. Do you shut off your phone? When you're writing, because like I, I mean, to me, like I feel like we're so distracted now. Like your 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 phone is a portal to the entire entirety of the history of human knowledge. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then people are calling you, people are texting you. You got the Instagram, you got the Twitter, you got the Facebook, you got God only knows what else going on there. Like, do you do you turn that off, or does it even bother you when you're writing? It depends on if the phone is kind of quote unquote blowing up. If my phone's blowing up and I'm trying to write, I will put it in the other room. Um, or I, uh, but, but I also have a lot of memos, like voice memos that I record in my phone. So I kind of use it when I'm writing as I reference that original idea and then I, you know, translate it into something. So, um, sometimes it's handy. I have put it on, you know, to have to, uh, what I have do, what I have do is I put it on (laughs) what it did is I put it on a airplane mode. Right. So then no one's like, um calling yeah you're basically moment. turning your phone into a little computer without the internet at that yeah point. exactly that's okay. what I, that's the same thing i do okay because cool, i don't yeah. want to i mean it's it's so we're so distracted now like everything like oh, oh yeah you know look uh there's a squirrel everything's mm-hmm. squirrel 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 everywhere you go yeah so i think it's important you know, artists are susceptible i think maybe more susceptible to that kind of distraction because like if i was writing a song just last week and it just came tumbling out and I remember just like, right. oh, my God, I've got to get my journal. And I, I was walking the dog, walking Sally. And I came home, and I got out my journal, and I just blasted through it right away. But I, you know, I, if the phone had rung during that time, it probably would have right. derailed my train. You know, but mm-hmm. I mean, it, but it was like the inspiration just strikes, and that's how you do it. 
Yeah. Tell me a little bit. So you said you use voice memos to get your ideas down. Mm-hmm. Are you also musically trained to the extent that you do you write out chords? Do you read music of any kind? I mean, it's I not, can read not music, necessary. But, yeah, I can read music, but very slowly. I, I read music when I play piano. Like I'll okay. learn, um, you know, Beatles songs and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. But that's just, you know, I, I, I can play a little bit of classical, but yeah. Um, no, for, for songwriting, I was always kind of come from the Bob Dylan school where it's kind of, uh, I watched my, my mom and dad write lyrics. Um, and that's, that's how I started writing was through lyrics and, uh, wanting to have a story, but also singing a lot to myself. And so a melody or a, um, chorus will pop up in my head and that, you know, or, or, you know, or I sit down and I'm just jamming out on the guitar and then I hear some, a group of chords that are nice. I can either go back to one of those vocal melodies and pull it out and go, oh, this would work here and this, yeah, this like type graft it onto that right, chord Right, right. Or, uh, you know, but most time for me, it's, it's a song, it's, it's a message, um, lyrically, that I want to say, and then I, uh, I'll rap on that for a little while. Well, go about my day, and and I find a, like melodically and rhythmically how it should go. Then I go to the guitar, okay, and I fit it to that. Okay, yeah. Well, let's hear. I want to talk more about that, but I want to hear another song first. Once okay. you play us something, and we'll come back. So I want to talk about guitar because guitar is kind of a big deal. When I saw you play recently, you had three guitar players on stage, <laughs> right. which is it's kind excessive. Of, it's yeah. a, well, <laughs> excessive or not, it's kind of a it's like a like a southern rock kind of thing, yeah, like the yeah. Skinnerd and Molly Hatchet <sighs> and them. Thirty Eight Special type of thing to have, sure. or Drive by Truckers to have three yes. electric guitars right. going at one time. So what's what's what songs next? Uh, we're gonna do one. We'll speaking of lots of guitars. This, this song's called Heavy metal love okay um, but this is going to be the one guitar version this is the one because yeah okay <laughs> so happy to have jamie wyatt as my guest here on independence day tonight let's check out some more free music right now this one's called heavy metal love two three four how long is kingdom come The old stacked to the one I hear that engine click We got four on the floor And we're pushing it Go, go, go Yeah. 
Jamie. This is my guest, Jamie Wyatt, an Independence Day. Drop by indepday.com, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y.com to hear Jamie's episode as well as multitudinous other episodes of the show going back a pretty good ways. And I'm very proud to have had all these artists on here. They're really good. If you're bored at work or even not bored at work, check them out. They're worth listening to. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Indepth Day. You can hear about my uh, semi-amusing music musings uh, on, uh, on the Twitter. So anyway, Live in the room here with me right now, Jamie Wyatt, another great song. Uh, one thing that's interesting about you, you're an accomplished guitar player. You know, when I saw you play really? recently, I mean, <laughs> well, you take solos. Yeah. You know, because right. that's a different thing as when the singer takes a solo. Like you watch Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers play. Right. Right. If Tom Petty takes a solo, that's somewhat unique because he's got Mike Campbell. One right, of the best true. guitar players in the entire world standing 10 feet from him or 20 feet from him <laughs> who's going to you know, ostensibly play probably a better solo than Tom would play. Sure. But he takes like a solo a night. You know, sure. like you as a, a person who plays both acoustic and electric guitar, like how do you decide when you're going to take a solo? Like are you, it's something particularly amusing or interesting or you want to just tear the room in half? Well, if it's a, a solo that is a part, that is like a, uh, a singable part, like a melody. A melody, right. Then that's that's what I'm going to lean towards taking. But yeah, and the, you know, and then if it's a friendly key for me, I'm like, oh yeah, I can do my southern rock what, country. Uh, what keys are friendly yeah. to you? <laughs> I love E and yeah. B. B. Uh, right. For guitars, really. B. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I, I kind of use, well, like most people, you kind of get in the grooves of what you like, what it sounds like, and... But my solos kind of 
tend to sound Motowny and okay. Southern rock. So yeah, <laughs> combine those two. It's it's kind of the same box. It's the same scale, but no. Yeah, well, I always feel like it's somewhat. Uh, you know, and I, I've been very blessed to have really great guitar players in my bands as well. Sure. And I'm an accomplished guitar player, but there's that whole thing. Like most people don't think about this in this terms, but BB uh, King doesn't play chords. BB King doesn't play rhythm guitar. Oh yeah, if you right. watch him play, like he does a thing, kind of I call it like the Knopfler BB King thing. Although Knopfler will <laughs> yeah. play, uh, uh, will play rhythm guitar. Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits we're talking about. Like BB King will stand there and he'll sing. Right. Like, you know, you know, move back and forth, and he'll sure. sing his thing. And then when it comes to the solo, he'll play his little beep, 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 and then he'll stop playing, yeah. and then sing again. It's it's like a, it's a thing. He has a band playing behind him, or you're a guy like, or like you know, or a band. Like there's different ways to go about. I guess is what I'm saying. Sure. It's like the Van Halen model, where you have a singer, and then the guitar player is playing all the guitar parts, and it makes the guitar parts in some way parts, I should say, not parts, more interesting. Because yeah. then you don't have to worry about singing. There's a guy handling or a yeah, girl handling yeah. all the guitar. You know, you, in your case, you're mostly playing rhythm behind your singing. It's like an, you're accompanying right. yourself. Exactly, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess that's why I tend to always have a couple other guitar players because there's parts that I feel like we can cover, you know, the guitar can actually cover organ, can actually cover um, horns, can actually cover other instruments and so that's why and i just i love guitars i love the way they look the aesthetic uh i love the soul of them and um so i kind of i usually opt in to have a couple extra guitars um you know because slide is its own right thing you know it's 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 a sonic hovering yeah beautiful thing and you can have a slide player, and then you can have another guitar player that's just uh, jamming chords and then ripping sol- you know, yeah. solos. Yeah, so, I mean, and, and you're in a good town for that. I guess Nashville would be the same way, because you, you throw a stick, you're going to hit 10 guitar players. <laughs> like, yeah. you're going to find there's guitar players everywhere. Although, yeah, although in this town, I'm throwing a stick towards a particular type of guitar right. player, but like we all are. Right. But, yeah, I mean... I'm sure in Nashville, I'd I'd find more of the guitar players in the style that you're in looking the style for. that I'm looking. Yeah, but I, so here I'm very selective in that there's great guitar players here, but I'm always looking for the one that can either play slide and jam out on rock solos, or I've got I always have a you know if my pedal steel guy can't do the gig, I'm looking for someone that can play pedal steel and guitar. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. I always liked what Gary Lewis did from the Jayhawks because he yeah. does a lot of faux steel licks just on a, on a, like a guitar. Like yeah, with a swell, right? A lot right? of volume swells, mm-hmm. a lot of double stop bends where he's bending into yep. and out of a, like a, a held note. Um, and that's that's the guy I studied to learn ripped off pedal steel licks. Like, you know, you know nice. nice compressor on there. Uh, it's a little guitar pedal for those of you who don't play guitar. Uh, and then you do all these volume swells and like pedal steel. And then you kind of ape that. You don't have to go all the way to like a B bender guitar to get right. those, but you can kind of do some. You get that kind of get that flavor. Yeah. And it's a hell of a lot easier to find that than it is to find a steel player. I true. found. Although, that is true. Anyway, so tell me, because you know, guitar. You know, guitar seems to be kind of a big thing in your world. You were just saying before, like you just love the guitar. I like, do. were you like, were you just drawn to it as a kid? Was it your first instrument? Who were yeah. the players that made you want to play guitar? Yeah, actually, I got. I got a guitar. Well, I grew up going to concerts with my parents when I was just a baby and so forth, you know. My dad um, hung around. The, he was friends with some guys in the Grateful Dead, so we'd go to those shows a bit. But the first one I really remember was at five. 
I saw Bonnie Raitt. And so this was, you know, a beautiful woman playing the guitar and, and also had, you know, beautiful voice, but power through her guitar playing, um, playing slide. A distinctive separate voice other than yeah, her singing voice exactly. on the guitar. exactly. A whole nother voice there. And um, I was just, uh, and I actually got to meet her. Um, we were backstage for some reason or another, and um, I got to meet her, and I was just, after that, I, I, I think I kept talking about guitars and singing. We always sang as a family, but um, I, they got me, uh, my parents got me a guitar for my next birthday after that. And then I How old were you? banged around on it. I think that was my sixth birthday, fifth or sixth it's birthday. pretty young to get started remember. on guitar. Yeah, I mean, I didn't play any chords. I just banged around. But I did have rhythm. My parents said I had rhythm, and I know they were... They would scrutinize that type of thing. So I, I'm, I know they love me, but not that much. So I must have had rhythm. Yeah. Bonnie, Bonnie, <laughs> Bonnie Raitt is one of those players. I saw her at the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival oh, last right. year. Uh, I go every year. It's fantastic. Um, but she was playing one of the... I think Saturday night on the on the big stage. And I had, you know, I'd always liked Bonnie Wright. I'd never seen her play. So I knew I wanted to see what she was doing and went. And I mean, she's one of those people that it, it makes sense to me that she's famous. Yeah. Because she really does have, like, it's like a David Gilmore thing or right. like she, or an Eddie Van Halen thing. Like she has something, a touch on the instrument, which is unique to her and is just a, a cut above what most mm -hmm. people are playing. And I was very, very impressed. I mean, both the voice and, you know, and of course she's had enough success that she can hire a crack band on top of it oh, all. Yeah. So it's just, everything just plays onto itself. It's amazing stuff. Yeah. Fantastic show. Uh, so other than Bonnie, like who else was it that, oh, that got you into playing guitar? Well, and then, you know, I grew up in, in the Northwest. So we had a, a grunge movement. Of course. That was, I think that's where I really got into rock and, um, you know, growing up, my I was too young, but my my older siblings and my cousin who lived with us, they all went to see Mud Honey and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, and then they'd uh -huh. bring me home cassette tapes, and uh, so I listened to those a lot. And was this before they were internationally recognized? Like when yeah, kind of. They were yeah, they were seeing them at really small clubs, and um, and I remember there was a story too about my sister. There was always a story. They they all they saw Lane Staley hit on my sister, and then <laughs> Kurt Cobain like was uh, they met Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love and and all the you know all yeah. these great stories. Um, so the, the the grunge thing was actually had a big impact on me in that because um, the guitar playing was it was cool because at rhythm playing there was a big heavy rhythm with grunge and. Uh, it dug in the way they dug in with the right hand. Oh well, assuming the right handed with the rhythm, uh, was kind of Keith Richardsy yeah. too. So I, I got into you know, and I grew up listening to the Stones with my parents. Bob Dylan and Rolling Stones were kind of a staple in the house. Right. So then when grunge came along, like I felt like the the strumming was actually similar. Yeah. Um. So that was that was later, but always singing. My mom always sang like classic country songs at the, you know, washing the dishes and making dinner. And then I also had a, we had a little farm and my neighbors had a big farm. I worked at the big farm. That was my first job was cleaning stalls for horses. And then there was country music always playing like, and I'm talking like 
what we would call maybe bad pop country music. Right, right, right. Garth but Brooks it, kind yeah, of era. But I loved it. Achy breaky heart. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. How, how do you I feel about it. that? Like now <laughs> that you've gotten kind of into the alt country thing, like where does that music sit for you now? Well, I always tell my friends, I'm like, oh, this is a guilty pleasure. Like, well, some things that they don't have to be. Like Patty Loveless, I'm like, I'll I'll straight read McIntyre. I'd straight up dig that stuff. So if it comes on, or even Garth Brooks, I'm I'm gonna turn it up. Well, Garth Brooks, I'm gonna turn it up and I'm gonna turn to my friend and go, dude, it's guilty pleasure. Just 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 let it happen, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so some of that pop stuff, I have to I have to give yeah. a disclaimer when I'm with another company, but otherwise I'm just gonna rock out to it by myself. It seems <laughs> to me because I keep a country preset on my one of my presets on my radio. Yeah, and it seems to me because I mean, and I up until very recently, like the last year. It seems like I could groove to this stuff because it was like I, I love a, a, like studying the songwriting exactly. and the breaks, like who's soloing when and how mm-hmm. they're arranging it, how the songs are put together. Because um, these are people, you know, maybe that person didn't write that song. Maybe a crack songwriter wrote that song. And that's something right. to study in and of itself. But it seems like in the last year, as as country has, I, I hate to say this, but it seems like it's devolved into pop so much now. Right. That there are so many drum machines and there are so many, like, it's very, very recently for me. Like, I find myself, I think I'm going to ditch that preset because I'm not getting Uh. enough of even Garth Brooks or even, like, crack songwritery stuff. It just seems like it's, it's all, it's devolved to the point where it's just a product. And it's just stamped out like a machine, one after another. And the songs yeah. are so similar. And the, ta- the subject matter has narrowed so much that it's, it's losing creativity for me. You know, in the sense that like pop used to be the Beatles. And now pop's not the Beatles. You know what I mean? Like country, sure. country like, you know, pop country used to be Shania Twain, which at this point seems like the Beatles compared to what's being played now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Me, exactly. Least. There's, yeah, now... You know, pretty soon that that Shania Twain era is going to be classic country, yeah. quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, I actually to kind of piggyback on what you're saying. I don't have a country preset in my radio, uh, but on satellite radio, I do. Okay, but it's so, more differentiated on satellite radio, though. You can pick stuff that's like not exactly. straight up country. You yeah, know, you most, can, and and what I'm referring to, I'm kind of referring to outlaw country when I yeah. when I say that, but. Um, the only time I really get to kind of study up, and I always consider it studying up, I love how you said that it, it, it's kind of like a music lesson, uh, is when I'm driving on tour and there's no radio reception, there will always be a country yeah. station that comes in. And uh, and it's interesting. Like sometimes I just got to like look past all the terrible production, like pop today, like even Katy Perry, look past all the really bad production and there's, there's a beautiful song in there somewhere. Sometimes. But it's hard. You got to like... <laughs> You gotta have like X-ray vision sometimes yeah. to even yeah. see there's something what they to were be thinking. Learned, even if it's something to learn to not do. Yeah, no, exactly. There's okay, something note to, to be self, learned. Never do that. Yeah, there's something <laughs> to be learned. Anyway, how about some more music? What do you got for us? You sure. got about enough time, I think, for a couple more songs. What's this next one gonna be? Oh, okay. This one's uh the song's about a great heist and uh in California. It's called Marijuana Man. Okay, so, so. Jamie Wyatt here in Independence Day with her track Marijuana Man. Can I Ooh. 
Headed to Stockton, Mendocino bound Gonna pick a wildflower, gonna feel the ground We got a little daddy that we recently found Said you got to come and get it, honey, you got to come now Oh, Redwood Highway, turn me up, turn me on, listen to the radio Could you see it my way? Ain't nothing to you, sugar, just a little arrow. Thank you for the kindness on the Colorado run You taught me how to bluff when you ain't got a gun But I made a little panic, now it might be for the fun They call this here shakedown, honey, give it up Oh, Redwood Highway, turn me up, turn me on, listen to the radio Oh, never gonna find me, ain't nothing to you, sugar, just let it roll Yet another track from Jamie Wyatt. You can pick up her new record sometime this fall. JamieWyatt.com, J-A-I-M-E, as if she were Jaime, but she's not Jaime, she's Jamie. Also, <laughs> Facebook.com slash JamieWyattMusic, and follow her on Twitter at JamieWyattMusic. And of course, IndepthDay.com is your one-stop shop for all kinds of great music here at Independence Day. Thank you for listening. Uh, so, Jamie, we were talking about some guitar playing before, and you said you grew up in a musical family, like music, all kinds of things around. Was there a point at which you were disciplined about it? Or are you disciplined now? Like, do you sit and practice guitar? Do you sit with yeah. a metronome? Did you did you grow up like... Because like so many people, myself included, there was a period in my life where like I would play four hours a day and sit and just right. actually work on stuff. Are you disciplined about it? Uh, yes. Well, I, I play every day, even when I'm working. It's hard with the <laughs> being an independent songwriter and kind of managing the business end. There are days where I don't get to pick up my guitar and I get kind of, I'm a baby about it because number one, it's like I want to. It's, it makes everything worth it, all the uh, responsibilities worth it. But, but number two, it's important that every day I pick up the guitar. Um, but then I also have, you know, the voice. I take care of my voice every day. So, you know. Do you do exercises every day? I do. Not, not every day, but. I have to vocalize of some sort okay. to keep it uh, healthy. Yeah, it's an instrument, just like anything yeah. else. It's a muscle. 
you right. need to use it. So tell me this. We talked about guitar. Who were your singing, like the people, oh. the women, the men, the people that made you want to sing? You know, it's such a big yeah. part of what you do well, um, yeah, is, is your voice. Yes. Yeah, and it's so funny because I'm not, you know, I couldn't say that I'm like a pop singer or just a singer, but I really um, do get into the subtleties of singing and inflection and uh, phrasing. Uh, so growing up, it was like, I loved singing country because that's my parents did and, and uh, country and folk and, you know, loving people like Bob Dylan, who their main strength, his main strength, I'd say, is his phrasing and how percussive his words are and, and just how cool he is. He just let a word drop out and he just doesn't care. But, um, but singers, um, R&B singers really, really got me into wanting to learn how to sing. Uh, just how emotional. Now, they when were. you say R and B singers, do you uh, mean old, like old school, like yeah. Otis Redding type? Exactly, Otis Redding is my all-time favorite soul singer. Okay, and uh, Aretha Franklin, and um, I even love like Al Green, and but then you know Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald. I, as I got into the soul, I got to drift into blues and jazz, Motown, and yeah. But Motown and Stax are—they uh, really do it for me. Those singers know how to sing, and and I think even growing up on the Stones opened a curiosity into that world because you go back to the early Stones and they were covering all the, uh, you know, the early R and B and soul stuff. They were covering that, so. Um, so I could thank Mick for, you know, turning me on to the, the greats in soul music. So, yeah, soul singers and the combination between soul singers and, and classic country singers like Loretta Lynn. Uh, Loretta Lynn and Dolly Parton. And um, and then these soul singers, it's like that's yeah, that's why I identify mostly. And I, I try when I was young, I really tried to steal that phrase and. Yeah. And combine it into like a, a country with with some, a little bit of like soul. Yeah. Backbone. Yeah, well, you definitely know your way around you're the blue notes. You know where the blue notes are because right. that's such a big aspect of that, singing a minor third over a major chord change yeah. or a flat, you know, or a dominant seventh over a major chord change. I mean, these are the notes to, to, to analyze music theory. I mean, those right. are the notes that, that those are, the, those are the, the, the blue notes we were always taught from the get go. Yeah. Um, you know, because, okay, let me ask you this then. Uh, you know, when you're writing, you know, because you're, you know, you're solid on the guitar and you've got, you know, a, your voice is a very, very powerful instrument, you know, and, you, and it's, it's the centerpiece of what mm -hmm. you do. I mean, it's the centerpiece of what everyone does. But given that, you know, a soul style informed style of singing, um, the voice is a little more front and center. Like I always think of right. Matthew, like Matthew Sweet is a guy I always think of about the guy who's kind of like the opposite of that. Melody oh. is number one for him and his singing is very unornamented. There's not a lot of extra trills and not a lot of extra. He's not leaning on blue oh, notes, right, and he's yeah. not he's not singing like a he's singing more. It sounds funny to say, but he's singing like a choral singer a little bit. There's lots of harmonies, lots of things. It's very very arranged in terms of vocal, but it's more plain. Not a lot of vibrato, not a lot of glissandos. Not a lot, I'm, we're getting into the mechanics of singing here, but yeah, you know. So, but for you, because it's flipped around, when you write a song. Um, are you thinking of this particular song, like a new song you'd be working on? Is that a centerpiece for your ability to then sing that style over that? Or do you write, and I guess, do you write to your voice? Or then do you just write songs and then sing on top of it? Or the same no, with guitar? I kind of, well, 
again, I always start with lyric or a concept or a theme that is just really important or something that is like, I don't know, imaginative to me, a phrase that I just get hooked on. Well, I get hooked on it because I want to make it into a hook or like a mantra that would be like a chorus or part of a song. So I always start with that. And now if I figure out a cool way, I'm going to start with singing it. And if I figure out a cool way to sing that uh, in the style that, again, is I feel is me is country combined with soul music. So there's going to be an inflection, but it's going to repeat it like. Don't get me wrong. I want to know that that's gonna, that part's going to come up again so that other people can sing along to it. The chorus. Yeah, I'm not going to sing. Um, you know, yeah, soul singers, they tend to do so many trills and so many um, different uh, scales or that they... Ornaments. To ornaments, the right. So then you kind of can get away from the main melody, whereas I'm pretty focused on the main melody uh, because, again, the lyrics are really important. So... I try not to get too far away okay. from that. Unless I was singing, you know, let's say I do a record, let's say I try to do a quote-unquote soul record, and then, yeah, right. that's, that's what's going to happen. But there's still going to be, to me, I just strongly believe in hooks because yeah. that, a hook to me is a mantra. Right. It's, that's what's the hypnotic thing that people are singing along to and that they get in that zone and it's, it, it, it becomes, you know, yeah. kind of takes them away. Kind of. Yeah, you're self-conscious enough to get out of your own way as a singer, which is, I think, that something think some so. singers don't know, and as they don't know enough, that sounds terrible, but they don't know to do. Like, oh, they've got right. a powerful instrument or a powerful voice, and they just want to feature that at all times, and they don't think, okay, well, does that really serve this song? Does that, yeah. whether I wrote it or someone else wrote it, doesn't matter. Like, and I guess that's maybe the thing, is like, you're... You know, you're in the tradition of someone who writes your own material in a singer-songwriter sense, right. but you've also got this like interpreter side of your voice, where I feel like you could sing um, a Otis Redding song oh, and thanks. interpret yeah. it like you know, like like Otis Redding would interpret it because you've studied that and it's kind of right. your, it's kind of your thing vocally. Sure. Whereas you know, if you wanted to sing something that was more of a, a Simon and Garfunkel type song where there's not a lot of right. ornamentation in there. You are a slave to that melody because you damn well better be. <laughs> right. Because that was crafted in a very yeah. specific way for a specific purpose. So you kind of walk that line. Like, and you have the ability to kind of do either one. And you're smart, you know, you're savvy enough as a musician to serve the song. Well, that's, it's important to me because if I'm a listener and when I am a listener in an audience, I don't... I. Even, you know, some of my favorite rock singers, if they go too far from the melody, I get, I get irritated because I'm yeah. like, wait, there's an emotional place for everyone. And, you know, yeah, I love alternate versions, but those hooks are an emotional place that people have invested in. And uh, yeah. so I'm sensitive to that. And also I don't, I've got a powerful voice or I've got, you know, kind of, kind of powerful and kind of can use um, my voice in like a soul type way, but I know that I'm not the best singer in the world and I never will be. There have been, you know, phenomenally great singers. I'm never going to be Janis Joplin, but... Well, there already was a Janis Joplin. Yeah, you, exactly. Your job is to be the best you you can be, whatever well, that is, you. whatever that means. Sure. You know, you, we all hold ourselves to these unrealistic expectations of the people that we loved. 
Oh, right. You know, and yeah, it can be a very point. humbling experience. Like, you know, it's like, oh, God, I saw Pink Floyd. I'll never be David Gilmore. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can learn his solos, but I'll still never play them. You know, you see a million people on YouTube now. I know, you can, right? You pull up Mother, the Pink Floyd song from The Wall, which is one of my favorite David Gilmore mm -hmm. guitar solos. From the, And there's a hundred videos of people playing that solo. Some of them are terrible, but, you know, God bless them for trying, just learning it. Sure. Uh, it's, it's a good thing to be informed by that. But some people are really solid at it. But even the people who are really solid at it, that's not going to be what David Gilmore, only David Gilmore can do. Right. Just like it's not going to be what Otis Redding can do or what Aretha can do. But man, you've got your own gifts, you know, let, yeah. them, let them shine. Thank you. Anyway, <laughs> so in light of this, you know, we were talking about songs before. You decided you were going to do a cover song. Oh, right. Uh, for yes. your last song here. So tell me why you picked this specific song. Tell, first, tell me what it is. Oh, it's Graham Parsons, uh, Return of the Grievous Angel. And uh, I just love Graham because he was a rebel. Um, and we talk about alternative country and, you know, I think he kind of uh, would be considered a pioneer of quote unquote California country. Right, definitely. But in that same note, is California not alternative country? Right. Uh, California country. Um, I, I would venture to think so. And I think that Graham, yeah, he was a rebel and he pushed the limits and he, God bless him, he was, you know, a Stones fan too. And that's yeah. just one after my own heart. So he does traditional country with his own spin. And the lyrics in this song in particular are really clever and really cool, describing a time that was very convoluted, not unlike our own time. And so I'm, I'm a fan of this one. So I'm going to do my best to interpret it. For All right, wonderful. So this is, I threw a y'all in there too. That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Jamie Wyatt singing a little bit of Graham Parsons' Cosmic American Music here on Independence Day. Okay, this is a Graham Parsons cover. It's called uh, Return of the Grievous Angel. Won't you scratch my inch, sweet Annie Rich, and welcome me back to town. Come out on your porch, I'll step into your parlor and I'll show you how it all went down. Out with the chuckers and the kickers and the cowboy angels. And a good saloon in every single town. Oh, Yeah, 
funny From Cheyenne to Tennessee We flew straight across that river bridge Last night at half past two Switchman waved his lantern goodbye and good day As we went rolling through Billboards and truck stops passed by the grievous angel And I know just what I have to do
a little Jamie Wyatt singing a little Graham Parsons, another artist that I love very, very much. She and I share that in common. If you don't know Graham Parsons, G-R-A-M, like a gram of something, I guess. Not like Graham, <laughs> like Graham Chapman or, uh, you know, Graham Parker. There's other, there's other Graham. Graham Parker. Graham Parker. That's Graham a different Nash, spelling. Different he spelling. doesn't spell his name like Graham Cracker. It's, yeah, just G-R-A-M. Yeah. Like a gram of weed, for example. For for him, that would apply. For him, that would most certainly apply. So, <laughs> sure. and, and God bless the guy. God rest his soul. Sure. Um, the great version. I love it. You can certainly you. tackle that. And people should go see you play. People should buy this record. It's going to drop sometime in the fall. And sure. since you're independently, you know, you're an independent artist, you're going to sell it through your website, I assume. Yeah. And then you've probably, it's so easy now. You're going to do like CD Baby or stuff like that. I mean... Well, I'm not, yeah, I'm not committed yet to either, you know, we're, I'm still dating. I'm still dating. So I haven't committed to a relationship with any of them yet, but, um, for sure, you know, I, I always end up selling through Bandcamp. I really, really appreciate what they do for artists. Uh, it's a beautiful platform and, uh, yeah, you know, even now I'm selling merch, um, to get people excited about the new record. And then when you buy merch, you get on the email list. So you're going to be kind of the first to know. Um, so I have merch through Bandcamp. That's all you can find it all through my website. And, uh, which is jamiewyatt.com. J A I M E W Y A T T.com. People can check it out. That's correct. Okay. So, and then you've got some shows coming up for the fall here. Uh, you've got a couple San Francisco gigs coming up, which doesn't help anybody in Los Angeles, but we're on the internet. Everybody can listen to this everywhere. Yeah. Uh, you're playing Twang Sunday in San Francisco at the Parkside on September the 7th. Correct. Also the 10th of October, uh, San Francisco, the Plow and Stars plays there. And he's going to be full band shows. Do you know, is it too far away to know yet? It's too far away to know. I think Twang Sunday will be a full band, but yeah. we'll, we'll just see, you know. It's, it's expensive to take a band it is, on the yeah. road. It's, mm-hmm. it's a whole big production. Right. Man. Yeah, but uh, for me, it, and especially the new record, having some, some good rockers on there, it's important. So I've invested in it, you know, that to translate these songs and uh, the energy is, is very fun. But I... Whatever way we decide to do it, because I've done numerable, uh, innumerable arrangements in my bands, uh, if it carries enough rhythm and it carries enough melody, it's it's okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways to do that, This you yeah. know. Yeah, most definitely. So, I mean, I'm, I wish you the best of luck on these shows. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming in, taking time out of your busy day. I know you're headed out on the road here pretty soon. Uh, sharing your music with us, sharing your spirit yeah. with us. I loved hearing about what you're about. And uh, please you. keep in touch, okay? My pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, I love what you're doing here. Oh, thanks. That's I very do. nice of you to say. So thank you to Jamie Wyatt, also to the Independence Day staff, Valentino Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. The distinctive Tony Tone Loke Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by the amazing Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, as always, I am Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another.